Cool, then we'll do the thing. Uh, hello, everyone, and Hi. welcome to the 1957 Oscars. Uh, this is the podcast, If I Ran the Oscars, where we take a look at one film from each year that the Academy Awards were presented on TV. Uh, we take a look at what it won for and a couple other categories just to get a wide breadth of film appreciation. My name's Dan. I'm Carrie. I'm Patrick. And this year, I, there was a pretty good chance we were going to watch a Yul Brenner movie, and boy, did we. <laughs> we did. <laughs> we did. We could have watched The King and I, but we didn't. So, uh, we watched the film Anastasia. Anastasia. Anastasia, because is, it is Russian. Uh, this is the, not to be confused with the 1997 animated film Anastasia, which I believe is pronounced that way because it's... Disney. For, it, I don't actually think that one's Disney. Uh-oh. I'm going to look it up. Well, because it's animated I, and it's a princess, I thought it was it, Disney. Uh, 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 it was Don Bluth, who used to work for Disney and was a rival to Disney. Oh, sure, sure, sure. I, but okay. definitely... yeah. But, but that animated took this uh, their storyline from the same play that this film took. It's a loose adaptation mm-hmm. of a, an amnesiac orphan named Anya who sides with con men to take advantage of her likeness. Ah. Not to be confused with the movie we watched, which is about a woman who we don't know where she's from necessarily, mm-hmm. but works together with con men to fool people because of her likeness to... Royalty. Royalty. Mm-hmm. All of this is based on a play. A French play. A French play, which was based on the actual real-world Anastasia Imposters thing. Mm-hmm. So... So you have to... The good news for us people in modern times is that this movie does start out with some written history that you have to read before the film starts. Yeah. And going from the Wikipedia, because there's a Wikipedia page on Romanov Imposters. Ah, okay. Uh, the members of the Russian imperial family were executed by firing squad by the Bolsheviks. Yes, mm-hmm. thus the in revolution. In 1918. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, a number of people came forward claiming to have survived the execution. All were imposters, as all of the skeletal remains have had DNA testing done. And okay. they found all of them. Oh, God. Hmm. Uh, to this day, a number of people still falsely claim to be members of the family. Anastasia imposters... Uh, specifically were a big deal, and the most famous one of them is Anna Anderson. Oh, sure. Okay. You, we're not going to... I don't know that we should tell you the plot of this whole thing. Well, the... the Ahead the, of time, because well, you well, might want to watch the well, movie. Well, this... Yeah, this one's pretty good. The general plot mm-hmm. of this one is mm-hmm. it's it happened in real life. Right, right. I... Uh, the list of people... There's not a ton of, like, people that you'll recognize in this film, mm-hmm. but there's a couple, and they're important. So Correct. we should talk about Correct. it. Correct. Uh, leading lady in this one is Ingrid Bergman. The lovely Ingrid Bergman. Yep. She's won a lot of awards. Mm-hmm. Uh, has three Academy Awards. One for this film. Which, she, I think she did a really great job of playing a really great job. She was in Casablanca. Yes, she's she is Casablanca. Mm-hmm. Uh, she won uh, Academy Award for Best Actress for Gaslight. Mm-hmm. She was in three Hitchcock films. Uh, she's been in a few films with Cary Grant. I mean, her third if, Academy Award was Best Supporting Actress for Murder on the Orient Express in 1974. I'm telling you what, people, if you do not know who Ingrid Bergman is, then you need to you know ramp up some of your old school films. 
because she's iconic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. According to the St. James Encyclopedia of Popular Culture, which sounds highly subjective... That sounds really Bergman important. Bergman quickly became the ideal of American womanhood and a contender for Hollywood's greatest leading actress. Mm-hmm. This is why everybody She's considered to, to have brought a Nordic freshness and vitality to the screen, along with exceptional beauty and intelligence. See what I'm saying? People need to know her. Uh, in 1999, the American Film Institute ranked her as the fourth greatest female screen legend of classic Hollywood cinema. See? Total. I'm confirmed. Yep. Confirmed. So, she's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, do we... I think we want to... Now nah, we'll save Helen for last. Yule Brenner. Yule Brenner. I, I was saying how he just seems so exotic. He, and that would be because... He was born in what would become the USSR two years after he was born. Vladivostok. Yep. He went to Paris eventually. Yes, because he, he played his guitar and yep. sang... Fearing the war between China and Japan, her his mother took him and his sister, well, first took him to China, then to Paris, where he played guitar, he trained as a trapeze acrobat, and worked in the circus for five years. This is why he's in such great physical condition. And sustained a back injury, so he turned to acting. Wow. Uh, he, he's a very fit he, man. He and his mother emigrated to the U.S. in 1940, so, yeah. you know, dodge that. Wow. Uh, his sister already lived there. His sister was a singer and starred on Broadway and on television in the title role of Carmen. That's why that movie kept coming up when I was looking at, uh, you know, other like mm-hmm. how where to get this film mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it was connecting them. He worked as a French-speaking radio announcer for the U.S. Office of War Information during World War II. He at the same time studied acting under Mikhail Chekhov. Mm. Well, that's big. Mm-hmm. His first Broadway performance was a small part in Twelfth Night in 1941. Oh, the stocking. He didn't have a whole lot of acting parts for a few years. Uh, his first film was a uh, kind of forgettable role, but, you know, it was him in it. Mm-hmm. Port of New York in 1949. His second film was The King and I. Wow. I uh, For which he was the lead in the stage production. He played that part 4,625 times. On Broadway? Yes. In the original 1951 production, and later touring. Wow. And the 1977 Broadway revival, and a London production in 1979, and another Broadway revival in 1985. Holy moly. He won Tony Awards for the first and last Broadway productions. Holy mackerel. Uh, He also... I... there was a short-lived TV version called Anna and the King. He was in that one, too. Oh, wow. Because we don't want to get anyone else but him. His connection to the story and the role is so deep that he was mentioned in the song One Night in Bangkok from the 1984 musical Chess. One Night in Bangkok. <laughs> that one? That's like a disco song. Yeah. Well, it's 1980, so probably. Oh. But, yeah. He was. I in, did not know was, that. I went to like disco places they, in the eighties. But he he's in a song about the character because he is so that character. He shaved his head in nineteen fifty one for the stage production. In his film in nineteen forty nine, he got hair. That's weird. Hmm. However, after that, he continued to shave his head because it was that's, just his that, look. That's his look now. Yeah. I uh, wow. During like the fifties and sixties. Having a shaved head was the Yule Brenner look. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I did not know that. I did, uh, the, I did not know the that. The only other film that I remember him from is mm-hmm. Ten Commandments, mm-hmm. which right. came out in 1956. Right. He was in three big films in the same year. Mm-hmm. And it was basically his first year doing film. He was busy. He was really, really busy. And then, yeah, from there, he had about 20 years of just, if people wanted him, they had him. And he didn't. Sure. He wasn't in a lot of things. Right. But essentially... But he didn't need yeah. to either. He was one of the brothers Karamazov in 1958. Huh. Uh, yeah, no... I always he, said Karamazov. Yeah, well... Karamazov? I've yeah. heard it both ways. Huh. Uh, he tried comedy in two films, and public response was underwhelming. <laughs> but he was in Magnificent Seven, the original one, yes. and the sequel. <laughs> yes. He was in Westworld. Okay, we just... He's been in a lot of stuff. We bowed down to him. He did very... He's done very good work. He is one of ten people to have won a Tony and an Oscar for the same role. Okay. Uh, I don't recognize yeah. any of the other names. Right, right. Well, I, but I, but I did look it up. today. I did look it up, just mm-hmm. to be sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jose Ferrer in Cyrano de Bergerac. Shirley Booth in Come Back, Little Sheba. It's all on the Tony Awards fact page. They have a lot of facts. They do. Well, hmm. we, that would, we would digress and we go would. off topic. We'll, we I, really yeah, shouldn't yeah. do that. I will ask for a slight digression when we get to Helen Hayes, which we well, are getting to right now. Yeah. Well, I, I looked up uh, a little bit on uh, Akim Tamaroff, who was the one yep. of the con men, if you will. Yes. Was he the and tall guy or the not the, tall the, the shorter, okay. more portly gentleman. Mm-hmm. His work, I mean, he did tons of work. Over 80 films in a 37-year career. Yeah, I mean, he wow. just the list of guys is crazy, and and not you know particularly noteworthy films. He was in For Whom Noles. the Bell Tolls in 1943. Yeah, he, he was nominated for Best Support in that and a film in 1936, The General Died at Dawn. Hmm. He also got a Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actor for Whom the Bell Tolls. Yeah, he did he did television? He he was in Ocean's Eleven, the original. I've seen that movie. Yeah, I don't remember it. Yeah. Very much. Frank well, Sinatra was in that one. Yeah, it was, sure. the, that was, the, Rat it was the Rat Pack. And he was in that. I can't remember his his role in that. But, but I mean, it's like he doesn't have these memorable roles. But when I saw his face, I thought, oh, I've seen that guy in a lot of things. And also you know? the actress from Gilligan's Island that was Mrs. Thurston Howell III. Um, Natalie uh, Schaefer. She's in this film. Ah. Yeah. So those of you who are old enough to have remembered watching that as a kid. <laughs> But the supporting actress in this one is definitely Helen Hayes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Helen Hayes MacArthur, if we're being very technical. Okay. Uh, she eventually received the nickname First Lady of American Theater. She's received the Presidential Medal of Freedom from Reagan. Okay. She was awarded the National Medal of Arts in 88. Wow. She died in 93. Okay. The annual Helen Hayes Award recognizes excellence in professional theater in Greater Washington, D.C., well, that's cool. Where she was born. Yeah. Uh, the former Fulton Theater on 46th Street in New York City's Broadway District mm-hmm. was renamed Helen Hayes Theater. It was torn down in 82, and the nearby Little Theater was renamed it instead. Huh. She's done a lot. Uh, well, she... I just, I remembered her from the Love Bug sequel, Herbie mm-hmm. Rides yep. Again. She is one of 15 people to have won an EGOT, an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony which does require you to do a lot of different kinds of entertainment. A right. few other people have done so with also with one of them being like a special award. 
Oh, sure. Okay. Uh, for example, Barbara Streisand mm-hmm. did not win a Tony Award for a specific performance, but has received a special award for her body of work. Uh, interestingly, there's also something called the PGOT, for which there is some discussion about what the P stands for, because it's either the Peabody Award or the Pulitzer Prize. Or the hmm. P is silent, like pterodactyl. Well, no. <laughs> then you just have an EGOT. But I know, but I was being funny. There are some people <laughs> who have achieved all five. It's not her, unfortunately. Yeah, right. Uh, but on the EGOT list mm-hmm. is like Whoopi Goldberg, mm-hmm. Barbara Streisand, Audrey Hepburn. Right. Some like, big name mm-hmm. people. People that if you... There's some that I don't recognize the name because they're just before my time. Mm-hmm. But most of the list I look at and go, oh, oh yeah, no. Sure, it totally makes <laughs> sense. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Uh, Mel Brooks is on the list. Uh, John Legend. Andrew Lloyd Webber. Right. But she is, she's one of those, well, because I remember her from a movie from my early teen years. Yeah. So that's most of the people in the film that you would recognize, the, you might recognize the name. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of recognizable people, but it's also a very tight core cast mm-hmm. right. for the most part. Right. So in this one, we have to start by paying attention to Best Actress. And I think that in this particular case, having seen nothing else and not remembering The King and I, I've seen it. I know right, I've right, seen right. it. You you made me watch it, I'm sure. Yeah, probably. But this is a movie about a woman who is playing the role of another woman. And so it's kind of that... It's a layered performance. It's a layered thing. performance thing. And I don't know, I think she did really good. I think yeah. she nailed it. Yeah. yeah. There were definitely parts in the film... And the way the film is designed is, I mean, it's well written to be ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. Create, she, create your own yeah, ending. Yeah. It's not quite to the level of, like, Inception. Inception. Yeah. <laughs> Inception. Well, the, the, the real gold standard of that one is The Sopranos now, but you right. probably haven't but seen... But that's TV. That's TV. Well, no, no, people, people, we could talk for hours about The Sopranos. Right. But, but that's But that's TV. a different podcast. Tune right. in next week when we talk about The Sopranos. <laughs> uh, no, we're not going to talk gonna about do that. that. But there were times where she made me question whether she was supposed to be one character or the other. I Because I, I would start believing that the movie was on a path and then I thought, wait a minute. No, I'm mistaken. Mm-hmm. We're on a different path. Mm-hmm. And then I would try to get myself to believe that we're on this path. I'm, wait, no, no, are we're we? back over here. We're back and over then, here. And, and at the beginning, she played a pretty good uh, confused person. Confused person. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. She was. And by the end of the movie, she was not confused anymore. No, she wasn't. Spoilers. She's not. Con- spoilers. Character growth happens in, in this film. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I know I'm... that sometimes for podcasts we do, character growth doesn't happen. I want you to know it does happen yeah. in this one. Yeah, it does. Well, certainly with her. Yeah. Well, I yeah. think there, the character growth happened with all three of the main characters. Yeah. I, the the yeah, side guys are kind of whatever because they're side guys. Mm-hmm. Right, right. They had, they kind of had their goal. They were on their mission. Yeah. And, and that was their mission for the whole movie. Yeah. All right. So I think it's pretty safe to say that we would assume very good on that one. We would we would have voted along with the Academy. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. No, the what was the you know this is filmed in what kind of spectrovision? Cinemascope. Cinemascope, which was a 20th century Fox invention. Yeah. And so because because we're looking at cinematography is one of our randomly selected. Yep, that's things. our first one. 
So this is another film where they did shoot on location, which was relatively new in the middle 1950s. So they were on location in Paris, in Copenhagen, Copenhagen and in London. And in London. And so some of those, the, the shots of, you you know, you're really there. You're on the, the, these bridges yeah. by the river in Paris, or you're at a, a, a grand estate in Denmark, or you're... Or maybe that, that was shot in England. I don't know. But there were very definitely shots that were not just, you know, some studio backlot. And I think that yeah. added to the realism yeah. of the film. Uh, this one was not nominated for cinematography. Mm. Uh, well, probably because King and I. King and I definitely was. Uh-huh. Now, it, you could have had it with the same actors because cinematography is not based on the actors. Mm-hmm. But like, I feel like... I wonder if at this point, filming on location was no longer, ooh, fancy. Right, it wasn't novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It was not the trendsetter that movies even five years ago were. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So now doing it and you're like, okay, well, here's your matte painting in your studio mm-hmm. for the parts that we didn't want to film on location. Sure. It's just the way things are now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, kind of agree with that one. Uh, next category. Music. Some Music. Part- so, let's... You, don't, you don't get extra points for using Tchaikovsky get, in a Russian do, film. They do not yeah. get extra points for just putting Tchaikovsky in here. Uh, the music was by Alfred Newman. Not, uh, not the guy from Mad Magazine. No, no. <laughs> uh, guess how many Academy Awards he has. Alfred Newman? Yes. Ten. Nine. How oh, so close. Wow. Nominated 45 times. 45 times? Contributing to the Newmans being the most nominated Academy Award extended family, with a collective ninety-two nominations. Is this as in Randy Newman? I ooh, that's a question. It's not listing who the Newmans are wait, when we look okay, at this. Okay, wait a here, Hold on, Newman, Alfred Newman, Randy Newman, and Lionel Newman. See, could pull some of that stuff right out of the hat. Uh, the, their best note in this eye. Uh, Wikipedia page lists also what they're best known for. Alfred Newman would be Alexander's Ragtime Band. Okay. Randy Newman would be Monsters Incorporated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and Lionel Newman is Hello, Dolly. You saw that show on Broadway. Yes, indeed. But I didn't know it was Lionel Newman. Alfred Newman, let's look at, let's see here. He composed the scores for over 200 motion pictures, including... Holy crap. Wuthering Heights, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, The Mark of Zorro, How Green Was My Valley, The Song of Bernadette, Captain from Castile, All About Eve, Love is a Many Splendor Thing, Anastasia, The Diary of Anne Frank, How the West Was Won, The Greatest Story Ever Told, and his final score, Airport. <laughs> wow. All of which were nominated for or won Academy Awards. Wow. He is perhaps best known for composing the fanfare which accompanies the studio logo for 20th Century Fox. <gasps> oh, there you go. Okay, people, you need to know. That you, I don't even know how to Google it. Maybe you Google 20th Century Fox flutophone YouTube video. It makes me laugh every single time. He is highly regarded as a conductor and arranged and conducted many scores by other composers, including George Gershwin, Charlie Chaplin, and Irving Berlin. He conducted the music for many film adaptations of Broadway musicals. He was among the first musicians to compose and conduct original music during Hollywood's golden age of movies. I'm just, Later being a respected and powerful music director. I'm gape. My mouth is agape. Yeah. No. This, his, he's one of the guys on Wikipedia that has a partial filmography because they don't have space on their database. Yep. That's pretty good. He has the third highest number of Oscars 
ever won by an individual. The number one is Walt Disney. Okay. But I believe most of those are in special categories sure. because animation was not a real category. He was just the only one doing it. Yeah. Yeah, Walt Disney isn't real kids. In 2011, someone else became the most nominated composer in Oscar history besides Alfred Newman. John Williams. Obviously John Williams. Mm-hmm. 43 of his nominations were for Best Original Score, two for Original Song. Wow. Yep. No, it... Okay, I'm glad we talked about He has him. a star on the Walk of Fame, which okay. is pretty crazy is, for composers. Which is logical. So, would you say that his work in this film would have put him in contention for the award? Well, I think because they, they used... Well, you know, music in the public domain. Well, Tchaikovsky wasn't in there a lot. It was mostly just in there for yeah. the one no, part. No, but there were also other other pieces of music that were very familiar, even probably even for people that aren't, you know, that weren't classical musicians like mm-hmm. I did in the days. But I think that I mean there was the sweeping opening fanfare stuff. Yeah, and it was really and the music was glib at the end. Yeah, yeah, and the, there was a little when they first introduced. Paris. That sounded was, Parisian. Yeah, mm-hmm. it sounded it sounded uh, much more toward the American in Paris kind of. It definitely music, wasn't you know. the John Williams. You have your one really strong motif, mm-hmm. and yeah. you play with it for the entire movie. Yeah. Right. Each bit of music sound was correct for the scene it was in. Correct. It will not surprise you to know that he was nominated right. for best score in a drama or comedy. Right, right, right. However, this is fine. Because he also won for best scoring of a musical picture for The King and I. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that works, I guess. So, you know, oh he had an okay year. Yeah. These people were busy. Yes. They the, had the business going on. They uh, were busy, busy, busy. The third thing we're looking for is best screenplay. Well, this wasn't an original screenplay. This was adapted from a play. Correct. Which means that this one is best screenplay adapted is what it would be mm-hmm. under. Okay. So, what do you think of the screenplay of this one? Well, like a, as a as the written part the, of it, the written part of it. I tell you what, I enjoyed the Shakespeare esque poking and and letting us know that this was a play, and they did that a couple of times in the in the film. Yes, talking about basically the play is the thing, just yeah. like as in as you like it. I, I mm-hmm. yeah. my particular note mm-hmm. on that was I choose to believe that there were blank spaces in the screenplay for Helen Hayes to just be a sassy and catty at whoever was speaking to her. And they just didn't write her lines, and she's the kind of person that could come up with that. I Because she's that she was that good. She was that good and they were just targeted and you were you would she'd say her one line and there was nothing you could say after it. Mm-hmm. Well it was a mic drop. Yeah. Very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was not nominated, unfortunately, in that category. Mm-hmm. Uh, Around the World in 80 Days won for that. Huh. So that was... This is another pretty good year for film, if I'm just looking at, like... Uh, right. I recognize some of these. Right, right, right. So that's all of these. You'll notice that we have not talked about the plot terribly much. No. Part of it is because, I mean, it's based on a true story and an actual true person. And then based then the play was based on that, and then the movie's based on the play. So there's but lots of ways you can look enjoy, this up. I think you might enjoy it if you don't know the story or 
And if you don't know Ingrid Bergman, for goodness sake, people. Yeah, then watch it. And if you don't know Yul Brenner, watch this. Yeah. Or Ten Commandments. Or The King and I. Although I think I... Or Westworld. (laughs) Or The Magnificent Seven. Because, boy, he didn't act... He was not on film for very long. Like, 20 years was his Mm -hmm. film career. Right. And he knocked it out of the park, and then he was done. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. He did this well. Uh, But definitely Mm -hmm. check this one out. It wasn't at our library, so you might have to find it another way. Yeah. I don't know if our library is indicative of everyone else's. Right. But but it was available to uh, rent it and stream it. Yep. Uh, yeah. Tune in next week where we're, where we're going to watch a different movie, but it's going to have a guy in it. I and now our closing <laughs> remarks. <laughs> that was really, really. It was really not s- catchy. Sentence. It was. Re- it's a. It's a safe bet. <laughs> watch, watch a movie. We're going to watch a movie next week with a guy in it. No, no, hold on. That's not accurate. Christopher Walken is not in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> but to take us out, I say we want to thank the Academy for doing its job and thereby pointing us in the direction of quality filmmaking. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> no, I didn't stop. Hold on. <laughs>